Hey, it's Bob Stoffer. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to Oilers Now ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles. We win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer, Weekdays at noon on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad. We return to Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer. Brought to you by Digitex. Office Equipment Solutions North America Wide. Yeah, Digitex does that. D I G I T E X dot C A on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad. 1234 in Edmonton. Welcome back, everybody. Bob Stauffer with you. Oilers now. Brendan Escott back at the 630 Chet Studios. Momentarily, we're going to bring aboard Mark Spector for the Horses and Horse Racing Alberta. Stan, Texas, and the Ashley Fine Floors text line. Bob, Toronto is learning what it has taken the Oilers 13 years to figure out. Eventually, you have to develop your own players. You simply cannot rely on high draft picks or buying a top-tier free agent to plug a hole. Uh, I guess they'll have to uh, give up the cup they were marching around during the first two weeks of the season. That one comes to us from Stan. Uh, well, it's interesting. There's some similarities between Toronto. I don't know if uh, they're, the, the teams are totally alike, but we'll bring aboard Mark Spector for the Horses and Horse Racing Alberta, who present live racing uh, Friday and Sunday evening to comply with AHS regulations. Spectators are limited at this time. You can go online at hbibet.com to watch and wager. Mark Spector, how are you doing? Oh, I'm doing pretty good. Bobby, how are you doing? Not bad. You uh, now that you've had another week to decompress. I, I mean, you know, look, I'm hosting the show every day, Mark. I work for the team. I'm, you know, I, I, like, you know, what I'm, I'm sitting. All right, how do I improve? What do I do? What do I got to do to get better? Because there's some pretty obvious things that have occurred here. Um, and uh, I have time for analytics. I'm not saying I'm all into the degree that the Leafs are. But I've got time for it and think it's an important thing. You wouldn't uh, not deploy analytics in terms of making investments and that sort of thing. But the question I have, I, I am starting to slightly look at things marginally different, say, today than I did a week ago. In the sense that now that we've had 10 days to compress, some of the frustration and disappointment that occurred has subsided. And you're sitting there going, all right, uh, you know. There, there is a, a core here to work with, and and how do you, you know, how do you improve the goaltending? How do you improve the defense? How do you, how do you improve the depth scoring? Are you looking at things any differently, you know, a week later than maybe you were a week ago? Yeah, I would think that in the, you know, every team's like that, right? That's why you know the this is the macro version, Bob, of GMs who say never make a trade right after a game, you know, always sleep on it. So this is the macro version of that. Give yourself a week, 10 days after your team goes out and really take a longer look. And I think in the Oilers' case, what you tend to want to do is probably 
look more at the regular season where all the you know there was legitimate and tangible um, progress made quite a bit this year, and look back on the on the Chicago series and say you know. You know, when I look at the series, I say, I mean, Chicago beat the hell out of them. They they, they beat them in game one. Eminent beat Chicago in game two. And game three and game four were very much in the balance. And for a myriad of reasons, the Oilers did win them. You know, the Oilers really found a way to lose. Um, certainly the game they were leading 3-2 and lost 4-3. Now I even forget, was that game three? That was game three. That was game three, yes. Yeah, they found a way to lose that game, frankly. So... You know, you do. You step back and you go, did Chicago throttle them the whole series? No, they didn't throttle the whole series. But in the two games, games three and game four, Evident was in position to win and didn't win. And now you want to look, dig a little deeper into that and see if there's some, you know, try to figure out what those reasons are, right? All right. Well, so look, and I know you wrote the piece last week. And you said, "Hey, these guys need to, you know, the top guys need to play more." I'm not. I don't want to put words in your mouth, but better defensively or be more responsible. And my my conjecture would be, you know, there are a couple of guys that actually produce what they're supposed to produce, and there were some passengers. I you talked about the improvement of the team, um, Mark. There's no like the improvement was made in special teams. That's where the improvement was made. They went from ninth to first in the power play. They went from 30th to second on PK. Yeah. If you subtract the goals they gave up while they were on the power play and then subtract the goals they scored while they were shorthanded, the Oilers ended up plus 21 with special teams this year. What killed them is they're basically been the same five-on-five team for three years, which to me is an illustration of a lack of depth. They actually... A year ago, in 82 games, scored 146 goals, gave up 178. So they're minus 32, five on five a year. True five on five, okay? Uh, and then this year, so they were so they're minus 32 last year. They were minus 16 this year. And where they got killed, I, I don't know if you're aware of these numbers. Uh, just I, I'll just ask you point blank here. Do you think Connor McDavid and Leon Draisaitl were both plus players five on five this year? Oh, do I think they were? Yes. Uh, I would say that plus players have got to be hovering right around zero both of them. Yeah, they were, Dreisaitl was plus seven, yeah. and McDavid was plus four. Okay, what, ki- so what, what killed those yeah. guys What killed those guys was being on a once-in-a-generation power play that was the best power play in 40 years, but Leon was on the goal for 10 goals against that were shorthanded. Now, Mark, you can talk to any coach in the business. They'll tell you, I'll take a 30% power play that gives up 10 shorthanded goals. Like, oh, I'll no ta- like that's a kill, right? So they actually ended up on the plus side of the ledger at even strength. Where are the others got killed, Mark? Riley Sheehan, five-on-five, true five-on-five situations, minus 20. That's a third line. And, and you know, Riley's probably a fourth-line center. But he had to play third-line center. And that, to me, speaks a bit to and, – and the numbers, because you're looking at the numbers at the base of the season. And I think we both expect, is it fair to say, an effort on Ken Hitchcock's part to maybe get another top-six winger and a good third-line center? Would that be a fair assessment? On Ken uh, Holland's part, yeah, for sure. Uh, you know, I think that because you want – you know, dry settles what, probably their best draw man, I guess you could – you know, Sheehan took a lot of defensive draws. He's a big reason why the PK was better. But in in the key moments, certainly in that Chicago series, Drysaddle was taking some um, 
uh, taking some key draws. And then, of course, that sentiment is out there trying to defend in the key moments. And and I'm, I think Drysaddle will be that guy, right? One day he's going to be your not only your number two center on this team, but he'll also be, uh, you know, he's a big, strong sentiment. I think he'll he'll improve his defensive game. But in the short term, uh, it sure would be nice to have a a really strong face-off man who's excellent defensively. And, and maybe that's the difference, Bob, between the, a game you're leading 3-2 with six minutes left. You know, maybe that centerman can get you through, right? Maybe that's a, maybe that's a position where, you know, Riley Sheehan is a good is a good draw man, but he's a fourth line player. You know, if you could find the right, I guess we're going to call him a third line center on this team, but an upgrade. If you can upgrade on Riley Sheehan, find a better defensive player uh, that can also win draws and make you a much better team in a hurry, wouldn't it? Yeah, I, I think so. I mean, dry, just for the record, Mark, uh, Leon Drysettle was at 52% in the regular season. Uh, interesting enough, Sheehan was only at 49% in the circle in the regular season. However, in the going into game four, uh, Sheehan was at 66%, so he picked it up, and I know for a fact uh, that he was told to focus on uh, face-offs uh, near, during the playoffs. So through the first three games, he was at 66%, and Drysaddle was at 53%. The other, the, the other thing that's why this is tricky, uh, over the course of the last three seasons, the player with the worst five-on-five plus-minus on the team that's been here all three years was Jujar Kira. He was amongst the forwards. He was minus 38. But like Sheehan, he actually did a good job, Mark, on the uh, penalty kill this year. Like Sheehan, Sheehan was in the first unit with Archibald, and Kira was in the second unit with uh, Ryan Nugent Hopkins. And I, I think with both players, foot speed's the issue five on five, but ironically enough, they do a real good job killing penalties. It's, it's, gonna go, it's gotta be a bit of a conundrum, do you not think? Well, yeah, but, and, and one thing you gotta think here too, Bob, is you don't go, you, you went from 30th to second in, in shorthand situations. Excuse me, that, that's like a team that has a, you know, a 19% shooting uh, percentage, right? You know it's not going to last. Like this team, I would be very surprised. You know, I could see their power play staying in the top five because it's, sure. they've got that much talent. Yeah, their their shorthanded units are probably going to drop a bit. The, the the trick here is to figure out you know is to make sure that if they drop, they drop and remain in the top ten. If you can survive, you got the eighth best penalty kill in the league. That's fine. That's plenty good. You don't need to be a lot right. better than that. What they can't do is fall to 16th or 18th or into the bottom third. And you know that's where, like we talk about all the, you know, everyone's different defensive roles and plus minus and all that stuff. But that's where guys like McDavid again, in my opinion, and I know it's taking a lot of flack around here. But what did you just say? He was plus four at even strength yep i think i think he had you know he had something like 50 even strength points this year right yeah so but, you but, got, i guess my point is if you're if you're he's the my point is this bob he's on the ice the most right him and dry are on the ice the most right the, the bottom six guys you can't have bottom six guys that bleed goals again that's a given Right? You don't get to play on the team in a fourth line role if every time you, because I know you're not scoring for me. You're on the fourth line for a reason. Keep the puck out of your net. Make it a shorter game so your stars can win it for you. But yeah. your stars have to, you're, in my opinion, Bob, what McDavid have I got in front of me? He had uh, 43 power play points, so he had 54 
uh, even strength points this year. Even strength and shorthanded if you had any shorthanded points. And my point would be if you have 54 points and you're only plus four, that's a lot of goals against ball. Right? It's still a lot of goals against. Yeah, so, but you know, Mark, not only Shannon and Kara, the whole team's got to get better defensively. I, I guess when your third and fourth line guys, like when Kara's minus 38 over the last 13 seasons, or last three seasons, based on the amount that he's, the limited amount that he's playing, or Shannon goes minus 25 on five, to me, that's the more glaring error that needs to be addressed. Uh, Mark, we got some uh, sad news to pass along here, uh, and it involves Dale Howardchuck. Yeah. It's, uh, it's just come across the uh, wire that Dale Howardchuck has passed away today at the age of 57. Sad story. Dale Howardchuck was a tremendous player for the Winnipeg Jets. We're going to recalibrate. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Right here, it's 1245. Stoffer Inspector, Mark Spector for the horses and horse racing Alberta. You're listening to Oilers Now. This is Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad. Welcome back, everybody. 1247. Uh, Mark, we're gonna, I'm going to get to a couple texts here on the Ashley Fine Floors text line again. Dale Howardchuck, Hall of Famer for the Winnipeg Jets, has passed away at the age of 57. Uh, this text comes in, so you'll throw Sheehan under the bus for minus 20, but when Dreisaitl's minus 28, it was all the other stuff. Come on, everybody has to be held accountable or there'll never be a team. And this is where stats you, you got to understand numbers. And and I'm not saying you have to understand numbers the way a Tyler Dello understands numbers. Uh, I'm saying that Leon Dreisettle finished the season plus seven, five on five. Riley Sheen finished the season minus 25 on five. Those are the numbers. This is not throwing anybody under the bus. I just said Riley Sheehan is playing one spot too high. If he's your fourth-line center, he's probably serviceable. And that's why I've got a little bit of confidence in Gaetan Haas, because Haas kind of kept his uh, nose above the water. But you're entitled to your opinion. And uh, what I would say is this. Mark, we watched the Colorado Avalanche. Do you know which team in the last 20 years since the start of the 2000s had the worst record of any NHL team uh, in the last 20 seasons since the start of the 2000 year? No. Who? 16-17 Colorado Avalanche. Okay. In uh, February of that year, the Oilers played in Washington on a Friday night. We flew into Nashville. Washington played Nashville on Saturday. The Oilers played Nashville on Sunday. And I bumped into Chris McFarland, who was the assistant general manager of the Colorado Avalanche. And he said, Bob, our team is terrible. We're too slow. And McKinnon was having a tough, tough year that year, by the way. And he said, I'm going to tell you right now, this is what we're going to do. Anybody that can't skate won't play. Everybody that we bring in is going to have pace up front. Uh, and now I don't know if they thought it was going to come together the way it's come together over the last four years. But that team can fly, Mark. And that team can attack shift after shift after shift with speed. Every, every one of their forwards can skate. And there's a lesson in that to me. And if the Oilers want to be elite, Mark, I think they're going to have to prioritize adding forwards 
that are, that are fast because it enables you to play a specific st- I mean, Colorado has Vegas and Colorado have been the two best teams in the Edmonton hub. And they've got an identity, and they're different. Vegas is big, heavy, and can roll over four lines, and Colorado is fast and quick and can roll over four lines. Is there a template in terms of what Colorado did? Well, sure. I mean, they lost forever to get to the template, right? You know, yeah, there is a template. Get, get, you know, draft like three or four young defensemen like they have and, and draft, uh, get McKinnon and then get Landeskog, you know? Like, sure, they're really fast, but there's more to it. I'll tell you who's helping them a ton this year. Uh, you got to throw in a savvy trade once in a while, right? They had Gerard, they had McCarr, so they traded, uh, uh, they traded uh, Tyson Berry. And yeah. thought, a lot of people thought that was a, an uneven trade, bringing back Nassau Kadri, right? And that trade turns out to be really important for them. And look where it's left the Leafs. The Leafs are, you know, Leafs Nation and Myrtle and his people are crying tears that they don't have Nassau Kadri anymore because their team's too light. Mark, Kadri, I'm telling yeah, I'm telling you, if they had Kadri in this in last year, in either of the two series against Boston that they lost, remember, he got suspended in both series. I know. I think they might have beaten them in one of those two series. That's how tight it was. Yeah, so. he's a good player, and he's helping a ton. He's really, really helping the Avalanche here. So, sure, the Avalanche, like everyone wants to be fast, and no one gets drafted who's slow anymore. You know, there's no question. And the old story, big and fast beats uh, small and fast every day. You want big, fast players like Vegas has. But, uh, you know, it's, it's got to be deep. you got to be deep, and that's the team that's winning. Look at what St. Louis did to Vancouver last night. Like, they just, they are deep and good and solid. They were hard to play against. Mark, they were on the ropes, man. They lose that game three in overtime, and it's it's done. I'm sorry. Yeah. They're not coming back from 3 nothing down. Uh, and, and Vancouver has depth this year. And the question is, what can Edmonton do to ensure that they have more depth moving forward? And that's going to be uh, part of the uh, intriguing thing. All right, that's, uh, we'll circle back to the Oilers' Jack, uh, uh, spec at 105. I want to get on uh, Dale Howard, Chuck. You and me grew up in Edmonton. We, you know, you wrote the the definitive book on the, it's one of the rare compliments I'll give you on the Battle of Alberta. But was Winnipeg not, for a couple of those years, a top-five team in the NHL being driven by a guy by the name of Dale Howardchuk? Yeah, certainly one year, one of the years, I think they were the, the fourth-best team in the league. Um, listen, Howardchuk was such a great player. I mean, what did he have? He had a 40-goal season, I think, seven of his first eight years in the league uh, in Winnipeg. Unfortunately for him, he, he's sort of a, a micro version of the Calgary Flames, you know. The Flames were a really, really good team that was down the – province from a, an even better team and that inhibited calgary's growth and for howard chuck i mean he was a great great player but every time he certainly when he played the oilers he was outnumbered you know there was he there was way more great players on the Oilers than he had he had some good players around him you know but he didn't have i mean thomas steen wasn't as good as Gary curry and and you know you can go down the line so he was a, a fabulous player in a really good hockey market and you know what else bob i know he reached out to some people that had a similar form of cancer as he did one of them yeah. being Bryn griffiths yeah. and in his toughest times right near the end here dale howard was still sort of reaching out to people and and passing on what he could pass along and i think that says a lot about him 
Well, Bryn did some work for the Winnipeg Jets a number of years ago before he uh, came to work for the Oilers organization prior to his days at 1260. Uh, Howard Chuck had seven seasons, seven of his first eight years, Mark. He was north of uh, 40 goals. He was uh, north of 100 points in six of his first eight seasons in the NHL. Uh, he was a minus player, but I don't think anybody looked at the Winnipeg Jets and said, well, they don't win because, you know, Dell Howard Chuck. I mean, they just weren't. They were in the wrong, stop wrong it, Bob, stop they, they were in the wrong division. They were in the wrong division. They were in the wrong division at that time with Edmonton in that division. And I remember, you know what? He they they did, did they not beat? Um, was it eighty five or eighty seven? Maybe both years. Did not they beat Calgary uh, in both they beat years? Calgary twice. Yeah, eighty five and eighty seven. I, I, I think that eighty four. Yeah, the eighty four eighty five team mark went forty forty three twenty seven and ten. That's a that's a that's a good record. Barry Long, remember him? He was longtime mm-hmm. scout with San Jose. What was the year that he got cross-checked uh, in the playoffs? <laughs> I'm thinking it might have been '85 because he only played three playoff games that year. Uh, but yeah, he was he was a heck of a player for a long time. Even you know what, Mark? Even in the early '90s with Buffalo, he had you know with Buffalo over about a four-year run. 89, 98, 96, 86 points. This guy had 1,400 points in under 1,200 games. Like he was he was a heck of a player. Um, he was. And, Emphasized Mark as a head coach because he was coaching the Barry Colts for a number of years. His reputation was he emphasized skill. Like he coached in Barry for a decade. His full focus was on skill and uh, breeding offensive confidence in his play. Like, you know, he had Svechnikov that uh, is currently with Carolina. That was one of his guys. Uh, he had some pretty good players in Barry over the year. He had Athanasiu in Barry. He had Brendan Lemieux. Ekblad, uh, Magiapani, those are all guys. So sad, sad day. It's too bad for Winnipeg in a lot of respects, though, isn't it? Like they just don't get, uh, you know, for our listeners, they're probably sitting there thinking, Mark, what are you guys talking about, Winnipeg? They were losers. They weren't losers. They're just in the wrong division. Yeah, they were, They were again, they were an excellent team. And you know what? There wasn't many, like, not a lot of you know, the real skillful top-end offensive players like Howard Chuck went on to become great coaches, right? You know, we've always talked about how, you know, the coaching ranks are filled with guys who had to grind it out in their careers a lot more than the guys to whom the game came a little easier. And he was one. He was a skilled, skilled, top top NHL offensive player. And he forged a long career as a junior coach. And uh, I don't know, you know what, I always wondered. I, I, I don't know if he never, if the NHL did if the opportunity was never there or what it was, but he did a good job in junior. And I'm, I was kind of surprised he never got more of a, you know, more of a push. Right, Bob? Yeah, absolutely. All right, this text comes in from KS on our Ashley Fine Floors text line. Bob, I'm old enough to remember some of the analytics community slagging the Avs hiring for Joe Sackick. Well, we'll see who gets the last laugh now. Craig uh, Billington and Chris McFarland are his two assistant general managers. Mark, they didn't just make one great tra- Like, they traded Kerfoot and Barry for Kadri, but it was the Duchesne trade that really, in my mind, gave them incredible cap flexibility, but also big return. Like, and I would not have thought that was possible when they execute. Like, when you look at the total return on that Matt Duchesne trade, unbelievable. Give credit where credit's due, but I don't think anybody could have possibly thought that deal would have turned out the way it did. Like, to broker Nashville and Ottawa into the trade to end up getting a bonus fourth overall pick by the name of uh, Bowen Byram, who will be with them probably next year. Uh, they did some great work that a lot of people didn't see coming. 
Well, Joe Sackick took forever to make that trade, remember? Remember we all we all said, Oh my god, like just make finally make the trade. Let's you know, get it done. Like how long do you shop before you buy something here? And, you know, give Sack a credit, right? All of us pundits who sat here on the radio and said, I mean, how long are you going to take, Joe? Your team needs something now. And he finally, when he made the trade, he was a total winner, right? And, you know, Bowen, you bring up Bowen Byron's name. That That's one of the the, the great assets in hockey right now are, are defensemen, right? A defenseman, a good defenseman is worth more than a good forward. That's just the way it is. And, and that's the one thing they've done there, man. They've piled up good young defensemen. And, and with Bowen Byron coming still, uh, and I like Gerard. You know, he's a, you talk about guys who move the puck, he's a nice player. So he's got a lot of young defensemen that he can use if he needs to. He can afford to trade one of us if he has to. And well, those guys always bring back lots. Bunch of guys have jumped in here, Mark. We're to continue down this path after the one o'clock update. Mark Spector for the horses and horse racing, Alberta. Off to a global news weather traffic update. Carrie McCarthy. Oilers now with Bob Stoffer. Weekdays at noon on Oilers Radio six thirty. Chad.